Hey, we are born into our families, we are born into our society, and we're even born into our parents' financial reality. What most people don't understand is that just because we're born into a specific family or a specific socioeconomic world doesn't mean that's where we have to end up. Being born poor isn't your fault. Dying poor is. A majority of people live life by default. They accept the cards that they were dealt and offer no resistance to mediocrity. Here on the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to live life on your terms and create the life, finances, and relationships that everyone dreams of. Join me, Nitsan Mosri, your host, every week on the Traveling Investor Live Show, where we demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet. And this show today, we have Ishveen Anand, who's the CEO and founder of Open Sponsorship, the largest online platform created to facilitate sponsorship agreements by connecting brands with rights holders, such as athletes and teams. Ishveen was listed as one of Inc.'s top 100 female founders in 2019 and Forbes 30 under 30 in 2015. She's also, she's also captained both the college netball and cricket teams while attending Oxford University. She's raised over $1.3 to date from notable VCs, 500 startups, Oxford Angel Funds, and NBA All-Star Baron Davis. And we're going to talk today about the philosophies of what makes a successful business and what every CEO needs to know to become successful. So without further ado, let's welcome Ishveen Anand. Hey, Ishveen, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me, Nitsan. Yeah, absolutely. Love the accent. Where is it from? <laughs> I was born in England. There we go. Awesome. Fantastic. I've, I've been there a couple of times. Great you place. Like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Been uh, several different places outside of London, and it was just uh, a lot of fun. I just couldn't get over the, the weather. You know, I remember one time I was traveling to Israel in July, and I had a stopover in London. And here I am in my flip-flops, shorts, and T-shirts. I thought it was going to be summer. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty cold and rainy. <laughs> you have to like, check the weather hourly in England. Make sure that you're like, I've got your umbrella, your raincoat, your flip-flops, sunglasses, everything. Everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And where are you located now? So I split my time between London and New York now. So I'm in London right now, but I split my time. Oh, very cool. Very, very cool. Awesome. So, so Ishmi, so tell us. Where were you before you created open sponsorship and what was the catalyst to creating something new, right? You know, I'm sure you've heard of this book, Red Ocean versus Blue Ocean. Mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of actually did that. You went and you looked at what was going on in the marketplace and you said, let me create something similar, but completely yeah. different, right? So tell us about yeah, that. Yeah. So I um I started my career as a management consultant and obviously as a consultant you're kind of trained to look at like problems and like break them down, simplify them, find solutions. And then um so I did that for a few years, which was awesome. Love that experience straight out of university. And then I became a sports agent, right? And I'm basically selling and buying sponsorship. And fell in love with sponsorship as a form of marketing, but I suppose my consulting days was, were making me go, well, this doesn't feel that efficient. You know, I'd remember um, I was trying to do a deal with a brand and they were like, no. And I worked in cricket at the time and they were like, we're not interested in, in cricket. That's not our strategy. And three months later, I think it was, they did a deal with a competitor team. And I remember thinking, 
why did they do that deal with them? How did I not know about this? This doesn't seem very logical. And so I think I was always challenging like status quo, like what you're saying, like the blue ocean strategy, thinking, you know, how can we do this better, smarter, et cetera? And, um, you know, obviously tech has helped a lot to cause disruption, but you know, this was 2009, 10, 11. And most people were like, just, just do it, just do your job. Like, don't worry about it. Like, don't think too much. Just do what, do what we've done for 50 years. And so I suppose, you know, fast forward, I was like, why do we have to do what everyone else has done? And that's how kind of the idea came about. So full disclosure, it's not like I really wanted to be an entrepreneur or run my own company. I just, I suppose, wanted to do things in a better way. And, and no one was really acknowledging that there was a better way to do things. Right. Sometimes we fall into entrepreneurship without even looking at, without even looking for it. Right? Yeah. We, we come up with a great idea and then we're, we, we're stuck with this amazing idea and we say, well, how do we bring it to life? Yeah. Yeah. So how did, how did you bring it to life? So, I mean, at first I just kind of, I incorporated the company and didn't really do anything. And I was like, mm, should I do this? Should I not do this? It seems a lot of work, technology. I don't even know what I'm doing here. And then really what happened is I would wake up every morning and be nervous almost that like I was going to read an article that someone had done this idea. And that's when I realized like, I should really do this. Like I'm actually like obsessed with the idea of it and I'd be upset if anyone else did it. Now, obviously once I launched, I realized that people had done it and pivoted or failed or whatever else. Of course, you're not the first one to think of an idea. Um, but at the time I was like, no one else is solving this problem and I want to be the first. Um, so I went out and you know, anyone who's tried to build a technology business as a non-technical person will have a, had this pain, which is where do you find engineers? How do you even know who's good and not good? Because you have no idea like what they're talking about, really. So took me a couple of iterations to find my now technical co-founder, um, Ron, who's awesome. Um, and so there was a bit of pain along the way, like we built clunky websites and clunky products and we didn't really know what we we're doing. But once once we found the match, it was amazing. And now, you know, we build product together, but I look after the business side and he looks after the technology side. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and I guess through your, uh, you, I, I saw your, um, your promo video as well. And you said that you were a uh, sports manager, correct? A, uh, yeah, so, a sports agent. Yeah. 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 Well, I suppose there's kind of two types of sports agents. So you have contract agents who are like the lawyers who do like the team stuff. And then you have sports agents who do all the marketing and sponsorship side. And that was obviously me. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's, so that's how you got into the whole sports world and, and you figured out, let's connect the, the athletes with, I guess, social media influences or people that have a product and they can connect together. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and on your app, uh, it's funny. You're like, yeah, it's like a match, uh, like a match.com or an Airbnb, right. Where you can just flip through swipe left, swipe right. And, and pick your athlete and pick your product and, and make the match. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we've taken a lot of lessons from I'd say recruitment is probably the number one where, you know, as a brand today, whether you're a local business or you're a Walmart. Right. And we work with both both sides of that. And if you if you want to find an athlete, like where do you even start? Mostly, 
you know someone who knows someone, but like that doesn't make really sense. And, and when you think about recruitment, back in the day, it was the same thing where you'd be like, OK, I want to go out and hire someone. Let me go find someone who knows someone who knows someone. Whereas now you're you know, you never, ever hire someone without putting up a job posting on a LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever it may be. You would go through applicants. Maybe you would outreach a couple of people personally. You would have a whole process. And so we really took a lot of those lessons from recruitment, similar dating, real estate, um you know any really good marketplace and we were like okay how do we bring that into our world for sponsorship yeah let, let it be more scientific and process driven than just like let me put my finger in the air and, and see who's a good fit for my brand mm -hmm. right so how would so as as the ceo and as someone who's fallen into entrepreneurship you know what can you share with our listeners some of the um rules or regulations or or you know, standard operating procedures, what they need to do to, you know, figure out if this, if the idea that they have is a good idea, how to bring it to life, you know, what yeah. does a CEO need? Because I, I, I heard you say something uh, really, um, it was key. It says as a CEO, you have to be ready to learn something that you don't know. Oh yeah. Every five minutes, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. Um, I would say, there's two things, right? There's obviously what you said, which is like, do you have a good idea, right? Like, does this idea have legs? And then I'd say the bigger question is, do you have the ability to be on this journey? Um, because inevitably the idea that you come up with, I mean, well, firstly, it's not really an idea that you, what you wanna do is like, what is the problem you're solving, right? And is it a big enough problem? Is it a problem you're so passionate about that you can like invest the next 10 years of your life doing it and like all of your brain power all your conversations all your shower thoughts your dreams everything on this like pain that you're solving so i'd say firstly like don't worry about solutions or ideas like people are like i've got this great idea and it's like okay cool well, what's the problem you're solving like who cares about that problem um so i think that's that's the key thing right like do you care about the problem? And is the problem big enough to solve? Um, and if the answer to that is yes, then great. And the reason I say that is because there's a high chance that your solution is going to change. Like, especially if you, you know, if you assume that the average person runs a company for like 10 years, like what you think the solution is today is not going to be the solution in probably a year's time. Like even for us, right? Like I wanted to build the Airbnb for sponsorship. I firmly believe that sponsorship, it's a $60 billion industry. It's awesome. Anyone who does sponsorship always does it again and again and again. It's addictive. Yet people don't come in or it's not data-driven or whatever else. I want to make sponsorship efficient, accessible, et cetera. I didn't know that I was going to do athletes. I didn't know I was going to go so hard on social media. The first time someone called us influencer marketing, I was like, what are you talking about? That's got nothing to do with us. Um, I didn't know that we would have a mobile app, to be honest. Like, I didn't know a lot about what we built. I just knew I was obsessed with the problem and I believe that I could like fix it. So I'd say that's that's half of it. And then the other half is, do you, honestly, like, do you, do, are you gonna stick it out? Like the opportunity cost of being an entrepreneur is so high. Like at least for the first few years, you underpay yourself you overwork, you never really switch off. Um, you, the highs are really high, but the lows are really, really low. 
it's personal, right? When people leave, it's personal. When people don't accept a job offer, it's personal. When people don't invest in you, it's personal. Like it, it, it takes all your might to do it. Of course, the highs are high. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like it is cool, but there's a lot of like, there are easier things to do, to be honest. So yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a great phrase, persistence beats resistance, mm -hmm. right? You have to be persistent, consistent. And I love what you said, right? About the problem. Is the problem big enough to solve? And do people really care about the problem and about the solution? Yeah. Right? This is something that, um, that every entrepreneur has to ask that question before they get involved in any business. Right. And then, you know, your, your passion, just like you said, you got to have a strong enough why and a strong enough belief. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm with you on that is, you know, the highs are incredible. The lows, you know, sometimes will will kick you on your ass and it's up to you as the entrepreneur as the sole person to to put yourself back up and dust yourself off and, you know, and keep moving forward when, you know, against all odds. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I always, um, I always say like people have this phrase, like, it's like banging your head against the brick wall. I'm like in entrepreneurship, it's like banging your head against the brick wall, but you have to get through. Like you have to make it like, there's no turning around. Like you just have to either get through or obviously if you give up, then you're no longer doing what you're doing. So it's, it's this, like, you're doing the impossible. I mean, like the audacity to think that you are going to build a business that no one else has ever built before, like that no competition has built that no big company has built. Like it's pretty outrageous. So you can imagine that hard work that goes into actually making that happen. Sure. Sure. Entrepreneurs are a special breed of people. Right. We think uh, we think we can do it all. We think we can, uh, you know, like you said, make a change in the world. And, and the crazy people who think that they can make a change in the world and go after it usually do make a change. I mean, you know, here's your, your company and, and, and you're, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing concept and, and it's 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 doing wonderfully. And obviously with your accolades of being, you know, top 100 female founders in 2019 and Forbes 30 under 30. You know, that that really shows that, you know, you've you've said you, you've done what you said you were going to do. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, the accolades are great. I, do, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to lie. That's lovely. But, um, you know, as most entrepreneurs will realize, like it's it's what happens inside the, the org and like your team and, and whatever else. So, you know, I think one of like my biggest problems that I don't think we celebrate our wins enough. It's like, okay, we've done this now. Now what's next? Now what's next? And so it, it does feel great, but it always feels like there's so much more to do. And of course there is. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in real estate and in acquisitions and I have my show and I do my, my coaching and mentoring as well. And every time I get a client or every time we buy or sell a property, you know, my, my wife is going, yes, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. I said, I, I don't have time to celebrate. I got yeah. to find the next, the next one, the next property, the next deal, the next person, you know, but it, it's just, we don't have, it's not that we don't want to celebrate it, but for us, it's just, let's, let's keep the momentum going. Right. Let's not take our, our foot off the gas pedal and kind of relax. We have to stay committed and focused. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What would you say are some of the um, some of the most important things that uh, that that someone starting out in 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 a in a business and entrepreneurship, you know, what kind of mindset? What you know, where do they have to be to really, you know, make something successful? Mm. I think what's really important is to try and, I mean, and, and I did not do this. So, you know, I know it, it's like 
thinking is like against everything that an entrepreneur is like we the reason you're, you're good at being an entrepreneur is because you think with your gut but then you actually have to not think with your gut and you have to think with data and market and like take your time which I'm terrible at um mm -hmm. but I'd say I think it's really important to think about the kind of business you want to build right like an entrepreneur can be someone who gets to work from Bali remote they're a freelancer they make enough money to live comfortably and that's it and they never want to build a team they don't want to you know like that's they're not trying to sell something like they're not trying to sell a company or exit like that's their life so you've got that and then on the other side you've got entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg right of course or like Jeff Bezos or whatever else who you know from the get-go it's like I'm going to go out and build a billion dollar whatever um, company and, and obviously you've got everything in between and so I think firstly is like who are you trying to be? Like, what do you want to be? Because that like, there's no point hiring two people. Like once you start hiring people, you're a manager and you have to deal with management things. If you're going to hire, then you might as well build a proper team. But if you're an entrepreneur who wants to be a solo entrepreneur, then that's, that's really sexy as well. Right. Like, you know, the freedom and whatever else. So I think like, what are you trying to build here? And it goes back to like, how big is the problem? Can you solve it by yourself? The realization that like, if you're trying to build a bigger company, like at some point you stop being an entrepreneur and you become a CEO and then you just become like a slave to your team, which is how I feel. Um, but like the point being is that you, you know, you just, you have to just really um, think about why are you getting into it? Who do you want to be? What do you want to outline for yourself for like the next years? And just make sure that lines up with like the kind of the problem you're solving and whether you, you, you can do it because there are so many different types of entrepreneurs. I mean, as I said, like Jeff Bezos is an entrepreneur and, and so is like my friend who lives in Bali on the beach. That's nice to live on Bali on the beach and be an <laughs> entrepreneur, right? Exactly. <laughs> we should go visit that, your friend. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, we, as entrepreneurs, we go out there and we have this urge of, of building things or like someone like yourself who kind of fell into it. Um, where was your passion? Was your passion in really creating, like you said, this app to connect people? Was your passion in building something that somebody else hasn't built? Where did your passions lie to help you build and, you know, raise 1.3 million and, and, you know, hit Forbes 30 under 30. Were these some of the things that when you started out, you had in the back of your mind that this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah good question. Um, no, I think, yeah, I think my passion was definitely product. Like I was using Airbnb um, and Uber and LinkedIn at that time. So this was like late 2014, um, we were starting to use, and you know, I was living in New York at the time, like ZocDoc, like you were starting to hear about these marketplaces that were just making your life amazingly easy. Like, you know, even at, I remember at the time Uber was like doing the Uber Black and it was like for rich people and whatever else. But the point being, it was like, and it, people were talking about, oh my God, you, you know, you don't have to wait on the street anymore, like in New York mm -hmm. for a tap. Like, so I started realizing like, oh, this is cool. Like my personal life is getting better thanks to technology. But then what happened was my day job, I was doing, you know, sp sponsorship deals. I was literally like, there was actually a time where I, I was working for a client and we were looking at doing a soccer deal in Colombia. And I got on a flight, went to Colombia, had a meeting, 
and you know the team guy ceo was like oh how much you want to pay and it's like no we're like what where are the packages like what are you selling oh whatever you want. i was like this is not gonna work the client's like yeah we'll maybe revisit in six months and i was like shit but in six months everything's gonna change mm -hmm. and then so i was like wait why is this so complicated and now in my personal life it's just getting easier and easier and so i really honestly like i was you know i turned around and i was like why is there not an airbnb for our industry like that was as as simple as it was and then once i went after that idea i just literally wanted to be, like to the point that when we first launched we we had the same business model we were like three percent commission from both sides and then obviously i was like this is never going to work like you know, and you start learning and learning so i think i i just loved and i still love the idea of using technology um and it's not just using i i really love solving problems and I think technology has made it infinitely easier, smarter, simpler to solve problems. And I just think that is that's like one of the coolest things. If you can take tech, technology, and go, hey, I can solve this real life problem using it, like, like amazing. And the scalability of it, that's what gets me really excited. Like you create a feature, we can get that out to like thousands of users tomorrow. Like that's 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 awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Scalability, right? Would you say that delegating? No, I'm just going to say it that way. Do you think delegating is a key component to scaling? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, hundred percent. I, I am. I actually pride myself. I think I'm a really good delegator, but obviously that comes with downside as well, right? Like, you need to. I, I have. I've learned over time. You need to be really good at setting expectations if you're a delegator. Mm -hmm. But I would prefer. That means you have to do the work in advance because if you do the work afterwards, it just creates like bad communication, bad lines or whatever else. But like personally, there's no way that you can scale without delegation. And as a business, if you don't delegate, what you're doing is you're stopping your team from being like, like actually giving their all. And you're therefore just, like it's only you and your ideas which is like gosh like that's the worst thing that could happen i mean i do rate my own ideas but like you know how many years can my ideas take the company right at some point and then you 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 know it's crazy to me when people bring in um especially management or senior people like if you're going to bring someone in and pay them like six figures and you're not going to let them like do their thing like like it's great honestly and it makes means that i can sometimes like switch off and have a sunday off or a saturday off like why would i not want to delegate never really yeah. understood when people are not good at delegating i i agree 100 i think being able to delegate is huge that is the only way to scale your business you know in in any in any business in any company in anything that you're doing you can't do everything you know, it doesn't matter if you're if you if you own a clothing store, you can't be the person who's taking inventory. You can't be the salesperson. You can't be the stock person. You can't be the person in the cashier. You can't be the security. You can't do everything all the time. Yeah. But as a CEO and as the owner of the company, you need to know how to do all those things yes. so that when you're delegating it to someone else, you know, if they're doing a good job, you can talk to them and in the language for that position and what they need to do so they can understand. And I like what you said also in your video is that if you don't know and you're trying to delegate, you won't have the same respect yeah. from the people that you're asking to, to do the work as if you were able to show them and have them understand that you know what you're talking about. 100%, which right. is, it goes back to that expectation setting thing because 
often what happens as entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs is you're under immense pressure. You wake up and you're like, oh shit, we need to do this. Or we need to do this. Or let's try this. And I, I was like terrible at this. And luckily my technical co-founder, he, he always had like this like unsaid rule, which was if Ish brings it up like five times, I'll start listening. If it's once, twice, three, four, like, forget about it. So I'd like noticed that he would just like not pay attention to half my stuff. And now I'm obviously much better with it because I've seen how much time I can waste by going off on journeys. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when you delegate, you wake up and then you're like, shit, we need to do things a different way. And then you get frustrated that they're not doing things different way. It's like, well, did you communicate? And is that easy for them to do? And do they really believe in it? So that's why like the expectation setting is really important because one is you can say, okay, this is what I want from you. And if I do want to change direction, I'm going to first have to change the expectations, represent them. And by that point, half the times when you have an idea, if you need to start putting work into it, you're like, oh, I'll do it later. And then you'd like deprioritize. It's very easy to like send someone a text message and be like, we should do this. But if, if you had to like put out a business plan for it and like create a, a whole new model, you'd probably give up yourself on that idea. So I feel like, you know, force yourself to, rather than just being crazy and like changing things all the time mm -hmm. when you have team members like force yourself to like be a little bit more strategic and how you present um i've had team members join and i'm all i'm like are they doing a great job are they not and then i'll look at the expectations we set i'm like actually they're doing a great job based on expectations so it's just my inner feeling that's like worried about you know and it could be anything it could be like they turned up late for a call and you're suddenly like, oh my God, are they the right person? And we've all been there and done that. Whereas like, if they're hitting their expectations, then just let people be. Exactly. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I One of the things that I do is I also own a property management company for apartment complexes. And I tell my property managers when we are getting a new property, I said, look, I don't care if you work two days a week. As long as the job gets done and you're doing what you have to do and the, the residents are paying the rent, Maintenance yeah. calls are being taken care of. The property looks great. I don't care if you're working two days a week and then you go playing for the rest of the week. As long as you're, as long as the expectations are being met, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we, we have a question here. Uh, can you point to individuals who help shape and direct your focus? Mm, good question. Um, we only ask good questions on the travel show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say definitely my team, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think people start often look outwards for like inspiration, but I think, you know, what what do I, I always say like, my job is to make sure that none of my team have bots on the next, that's it. Mm -hmm. Because again, going back to like scalability, like if they can do their job, then great, like, I, you know, but if, if for example, a salesperson feels that they're not getting enough leads, and we should be going out and buying LinkedIn sales navigator or another software. Like that's my job is to make sure that they've got everything that they need. So I think like my internal team really like they help to make sure that I know what I'm doing and focus. Um, investors do that because they set you milestones and, and things like that. Um, interestingly, I even think competition in a way um, because you start really thinking about, well, where do I want to be? Do I want, you can't be everything to everyone. And so when you start mm -hmm. analyzing competition, you're like, well, do I want to take your market share or do I want to stay away from that? Um, so I think that's quite interesting. Um, 
I've definitely got people I talk to a lot about work, whether it's like advisors or mentors or or people I just, you know, peer group um, guys. I wouldn't say the thing there is like, I don't know if they focus you because you end up, they end up helping you on the questions you're asking. So mm-hmm. that's quite dangerous, right? Because it's like, this is what's on my plate and they don't really know everything else. So they're only going to help you with what you're thinking about. So I do, I do think yourself is pretty important. Um, and again, like, as entrepreneurs, sometimes we're not the best at like planning and organizing and looking too far in the future and whatever else. So like um, Stephen, our VP finance ops is, is huge for that. Cause I'm like, what are our Q4 goals? Just, just tell me what they are. And so I know. Um, and so uh, again, like trying to stick the plan helps to mm-hmm. focus you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned something about, you know, what are our Q4 goals? How important is it? And do you in your company set goals? Yeah. For sure. So the hard thing is, is that super easy with salespeople, right? Like these are your goals, sales manager, these are goals, account managers. Then we've got engineers, right? One of their goals, right? We have a data analyst, like what's it like CEO, what's my goal? So what we try and do is individual goals where it helps. And obviously if if you've got team members based on like commission, of course, they've got goals because you need to know how to pay them out. So that's easy. Um, And then we have company wide goals based on our plan. And the main thing there is like, we want to be able to, it's it's easier when you're not spending a lot of money to not be as obsessed with the goal. But when you start ramping up, like we're hiring two or three new people about a month, when you start doing that, it's really important that we don't run out of money in our bank. And so that's when it becomes super important. And now I have to say that I would not have been able to do this without our VP finance. Like, I just, I don't have the, yeah, I studied economics at Oxford. Like, it's not like, you know, I'm not putting anyone down in this entrepreneurship group. I just think it's really hard to be in the weeds and strategic. It's just, it's like really difficult. You can't do them both. And so for me, I like to zoom out and think like, okay, what's coming next? But if I have to look at spreadsheets and go, how much money did we spend this month? Like, do you end up just not spending it, which is what I did. Like my lot, like biggest lesson from early on is we didn't spend money fast enough. We didn't grow fast enough. And that was because I had to do both. And so you're like obsessed with like, oh, we should make money this month. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I didn't need to, but yeah. Spending money fast enough. Some people, you know, people listening going, what? Spending money <laughs> fast enough? I can spend money like crazy. How can you not spend money fast enough? But it's it, it's um, yeah. true. If you don't if you don't feed the growth with ideas, with goals, with finances, with with an infrastructure, uh, you'll never get to where you want to get to. You you'll never achieve your goals fast enough, right? Yeah. You you really have to focus on it. But there's also a point where you're spending too much. Yeah. Right. Or or not spending too much. I wouldn't say that. I'd say not getting the return on your spend the roi the roi so that is that is the reason why you want your plan and go am i going okay so think about it this way if you're hiring people and they're they are exceeding their goals you're like great i can hire more i should hire quicker or like what can i do here if they're under then you have to solve it before you keep hiring so it's just really important to be measuring everything that you're doing. Everything. Measure everything. Your metrics. Your metrics are important. What you can measure, you can adjust, and you can 
build and 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 create with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what's next for you? What's next on on the agenda? Yeah. Where, are you, where yeah. are you taking it? Um, we are with yeah, we're in a really good spot right now. So you know, um, we are just closing out some an, a new fundraise, and then we are growing. So mostly sales and marketing expansion into new areas. Um, obviously a bit more investment into product as well and integrations. Um, so really exciting stuff on the horizon. Awesome. Very cool. So let me ask you this about the actual um, app of, uh, of of combining. So you find people who have a product, have something that they want to sell, and then you connect them with an athlete who likes the product. What kind of products? Yeah. Interestingly, it's like, I would say that sports marketing is relevant to everyone, right? Like real estate. Athletes are huge in real estate. They love it, right? They they have secondary houses. They have houses where they live. They have houses where they play, you know, whatever else, right? And if you think about local marketing, there is, if you're very famous, very rich, you probably move to LA, New York, San Francisco, the most famous person in Florida, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Kentucky is probably an athlete because, you know, they live there and they're, they're, you know, they play for the local team. They've got the most money. They're super influential. They're the tallest guy. They stick out when they walk down the street, whatever reason. So on a local basis, athletes make sense. If you are marketing to men and you are thinking about how do I influence men? Sports, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, women may have beauty bloggers and, and fashion bloggers. And obviously I would say female athletes are, are great, but when you're marketing to men, sports is like the number one thing that athletes are the number one influencer. So basically anytime that you're thinking about a marketing channel, I would say, why are you not using sports slash athletes? Right? So, so that's one, what we do is, so on one side, we have athletes sign up, create like a profile, like a LinkedIn profile or a dating profile. Those athletes can either sign up themselves or through their agencies. So we work with CAA, Rock Nation, all the, all the big agencies, small agencies. They create a profile. We pull in a lot of data about them, like who's talking about real estate, who's talking about blockchain, um, who has high engagement, who has Hispanic followers versus African-American followers, whatever it may be. That's on one side. On the other side, we have brands come in, like you said. Yes, absolutely correct. Our, our primary target is definitely CPG D2C brands, right? Like products that fashion, apparel, jewelry, health and wellness, supplements, like the kind of things that you would expect athletes mm -hmm. to naturally have. Having said that, we've worked with brand companies that have come in and they're PPP loans. And they're like looking for athletes who want to promote the fact that our service can help you fill out PPP loans because they're like, we're focused on the African-American community and athletes speak to that community. Or we've had athletes um, re like really interesting. I mean, the, the amount of deals that we've done, like the cross section is huge. Like whether it's like pet brands or it could be like diabetes awareness, right? Like I was speaking to someone the other day and they were like, you know, do you have athletes with, who've had prostate cancer or like been close to it? Of course, of course we do. So it's like if you, and then what happens is the brand will put up a campaign, a bit like a job posting, looking for athletes who, um, want to be a champion for prostate cancer or looking for athletes about to buy a new house or whatever it may be, we're offering $500, $5,000 free product, 
half a million in exchange for an appearance or social media or a video testimony or whatever it may be. And then basically all of our athletes and agents will apply to work with you. And that's like step one. And then we do everything else, the deal management contracts, payments, et cetera. Wow. That's awesome. There's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. It's not just, Hey, I have a yoga mat. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's great. So where, you know, um, we, we're, we're actually running out of time. We've got a minute left. Um, you know, being the traveling investor that I am three places on your bucket list that you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet. Oh, wow. Um, three places. I'm not massive a bucket list person. Cause you know, as you can tell, I just do it when I want to do it, but I'd say, um, I definitely want to go to Russia growing up in England, like the mystique of Russia and, you know, I'm a bit scared about it, but like, I'd like to go to Russia. Um, where else would I like to go? I grew up, I'm, I'm Indian. And so again, like I'd like to go to Pakistan just because I suppose I, I'm basically picking controversial places that people tell you are scary, but obviously they're not scary. They're just like the same, but different, um, say Pakistan. And then I haven't done as much of, um, South America as I'd like. So, you know, Brazil would probably be on my list as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yep. Great places. Great places to visit. I've been to Russia and I've been to Brazil. I have not been to Pakistan yet, which is somewhere that I do want to uh, definitely want to go visit. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Israel's amazing. I've been there a couple of times. So oh, yeah, nice. Home country. nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. Tel Aviv is an awesome city. Yeah, well, I think I prefer Jerusalem, actually, just the culture and everything else. But yeah, when how long how, how long ago were you uh, in Israel in Jerusalem? Um, about five years. Oh, OK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so pretty close to it because Jerusalem went under a huge change. The the new city with the tram that goes through the middle of the city. You know, there's a nice I tram. It used that. to be buses and cars, and now they blocked it off for pedestrians and have a nice tram. I love Jerusalem. Jerusalem is one yeah. of my favorite cities in the world because of the 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 um I guess the dichotomy of it where you're yeah. sitting in a coffee shop that was built by you know, the Crusaders or by King Herod or someone, you know, King David walked down the street, Jesus crossed, uh, you know, over here. And there's so much history there Amazing. that is just yeah. mind blowing. You know, and to see yeah. the, the modern world with the ancient world together is a uh, is really cool experience. Yeah, I love it. It was really cool. So, Ishreen, how can people find out more or get in touch with you um, to get some sponsorships and, and, you know, get some athletes on their brand? Yeah, no, awesome. Thanks for asking. So um, go to our website, opensponsorship.com. It's free to sign up, check it out. Um, and then find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah, I'd love to hear from everyone. Awesome. Ishreen, thank you so much for being here, coming all the way across the Atlantic Ocean from London. I appreciate your time and, and appreciate you and keep kicking ass. It's awesome. Thank you. Likewise. Well, travelers, it's been fantastic. Uh, we're going to be here same time, same place, somewhere on Spaceship Earth next week, where we continue to demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet. I'm Nitsan Mosley, the traveling investor, your host, and I'll see you next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Take care.